Hello. Welcome. Welcome to this Welcome podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Mutant Ages. I'm Maddie. And I'm Emma Frost. <laughs> Emma Frost is not in this episode. So it's already yeah. way worse than last week. So I guess I'm Ryan. Welcome to the Mutant Ages. Back when we were young, we experienced a change. We felt a power grow in us, both wonderful and strange. The power to care about the X-Men and the Mutant Brotherhood. All of their adventures, more than anyone should. From the comic book pages to the another pilot episode last week we watched pride of the x-men which is a pilot for an animated x-men show that never happened but this week we watched a pilot episode for an x-men show that totally did happen it's the one that everybody loves it's like yeah iconic the show that everybody probably thought we were going to start with but we're being really really comprehensive i'm actually really glad that so many people stuck around for uh us (laughs) doing pride of the x-men mm-hmm but anyway, this episode is is the first, the pilot of X-Men, the animated series, which is probably which is, the X-Men show that, that most listeners have seen, or right, at least seen a little bit of. Iconic, and it kicked off like all the other superhero shows at the time, because there was eventually Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a weird Avengers show that happened way later after that, but this is what really kicked off those superhero shows. I mean, I guess, I guess you could say Spider-Man and Friends back in the 70s, but then yeah. nothing happened for like a decade. <laughs> Um, And also, this came out in 1992, or at least that's what Hulu said. uh, This is the most 90s TV show out there. I was not expecting it to be quite as 90s, and I watch this regularly still. It starts Uh, in the mall. I was like, no wonder Ryan likes this show. It starts in a freaking mall. (laughs) Okay, so... um, Are we jumping right in, or are we just gonna, like... I guess we're just gonna jump right right, in. Alright, so then the title of this episode is called Night of the Sentinels. Part one. Part one. There's going to be more Sentinels later. Don't worry. And I was crazy enough to be like, maybe we should watch both parts and review them. But then I was like, wait, no, the whole series is connected and a whole bunch of parts will be here forever. We're not doing that. So we're going to do the first part as one episode. But yeah. Yeah. So we're just it's it's not standalone, but every episode is connected. So it ends on a cliffhanger. We'll get there. But we'll worry about that later. We'll, We'll be hanging off the cliff like. Our toenails. Whoa! Like, well, do, do you think that all the X Men are gonna die? <laughs> it's weird that they killed all the X Men in the pilot episode of X Men: The Animated Series. Yeah, really that was a, that's a very dark, choice. strong, strong start there. Uh, it, it's almost like watching uh, Days of Future Past, the Brian Singer <laughs> edition, where it opened up. It was like the first shot was like bodies falling out of dumpsters. This actually does start off in kind of a dark way, though. It does. It does. Well, okay, so. 
no Let's, bodies falling out of dumpsters, but it does start with like a, a street fight and, you know, a news reporter doing a voiceover, sort of the same way that Stanley right. did a voiceover last time for Pride of the X-Men. But now it's so a news reporter. And the very first shot of this episode is a shot of Sabretooth. That's what they chose to use as their opening shot. Fucking Sabretooth. Okay, wait. No, I already skipped ahead because in my yeah, notes, I actually I, like, took I'm like, notes this is the beginning intro. of the episode. Let's talk about like... the intro. Let's talk about the intro first. <laughs> I think about it. You're just like, okay, so the beginning of the episode about five well, minutes. Well, because I was in. thinking about it. <laughs> Whatever, Ryan. All right, let's let's you're take fired. it from the top. We'll talk about the intro. We'll talk about this totally sick theme song. Okay, well, this theme song is really great. I mean, it if is you can great. Put, here, why don't you put a little clip of it right in here, and everybody? I will. Can, I'll put in a little clip. Everybody can enjoy that. Perspective, nostalgic it doesn't kind of have way. lyrics, so it's not. That's that's something that's a little bit less corny and fun about it. <laughs> no, but it's got that nineties vibe, and it's so good. So mm-hmm. it is really good. But also, oh, my first note on this episode is: remember when intros were long as hell? <laughs> because <laughs> this intro yeah, would never they, happen now. Yeah, they introduce like all the characters, but then it goes into the like a second half super of the intro fucking slowly, and then they like show you all the characters again, and they just kind of yeah, keep and then showing you goes different to this, stuff. Like, giant map of like New York City, and like the the mm-hmm. cities start rising, and like over here is this building, and then over here is this other building, and then it's like. Winter is coming. It just turns out to be Storm all along. Yep. Storm's it like, is. sorry, it was me. It's actually, it's, yeah, Game of Thrones totally stole their vibe from this. No, that's yeah. actually a good point. Yeah, Game, Game of Thrones, Thrones has a really long themselves. intro. But I think this intro is even longer than that. I feel like 90s shows, it was still in the era of TV when you could have a really long intro and then you would write the title of the episode on the screen as soon as the intro ended. Like, TV doesn't do that anymore. No one cares. Well, you're gonna, no, when one, we get to, no, if we get to X-Men Evolution, which was in the early 2000s, that, that also had a semi- long intro because it did the same thing where it introduced all the characters and then there were like flashes of fight scenes and stuff yeah i just feel like shows don't really do that anymore i don't know when it ended maybe it's in like the 2010s that shows started being like we don't need a long intro anymore but it, it just felt like a real throwback to me well no because now we now we have steven universe which gets the whole intro done in like 20 seconds yeah. and then you, and then has a whole episode that's less than 10 minutes long and Still makes you cry at the end theme song <laughs> yeah kids today they can't concentrate on anything the internet something something <laughs> <laughs> All right. So also one of our fans pointed out that the end of this episode, the end of the intro, sorry, um, ends with this part where the Brotherhood of Mutants is running towards the X-Men and then humans are in the middle and the humans are like running away towards the camera screaming. <laughs> I Do never you remember that part? That. <laughs> I had to like slow it down because I've literally never noticed that that happens. It happens so fast I thought fast it was just them the running end. at each other full speed. Me like too. I never noticed there was but like humans just screaming second. in between yeah, them. I mean, they humans. should be. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, what's interesting about that is that the implication is that humans just can't tell the difference between evil mutants and good mutants. Well, and but, like, I mean, that's given what they're all the wearing, setup. and well, they're also <laughs> all charging each other with like their powers out. 
I mean, I would I be confused too. They're all wearing crazy outfits, but it's, that's kind of the setup and it is really reductive. It's very like good, good mutants and evil mutants. There's no shades of gray. It's like, <laughs> there's only 50 really shades straightforward. Of gray. Nope. There's only two in this show. <laughs> and then there's a toy plane. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just doing a quick shout out to let's two, watch two movies right now. You know, the, the title that I just got wrong right now. <laughs> never heard of it all right yeah. so anyway now we're finally all right Sabertooth. so now it opens now with the newscast up. which is Sabretooth, uh because they and we have a voiceover that's like mutants are unfortunate people it's like one of the first lines <laughs> that they come up with the um, newscaster is like some people don't know what to make of mutants probably because yeah. they're pretty bad and i'm I like know, this it's... is like a wildly biased newscast but okay it's fox news i mean what do you expect yeah 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 this totally. was literally on fox at the time fox which is ironic would hate mutants um but anyway so she she gives this little newscast that i didn't write down but and then, i didn't and either then we, i just wrote that one line <laughs> that was it we we hop on over to, to the jubilee household um and she's watching this newscast yes well her parents are i guess oh, it's, yeah it's her parents sorry her I, foster I, parents sorry i i didn't mean to say that she would admit to her parents are uh and her foster parents are watching and jubilee is upstairs listening to them watch it mm-hmm. and jubilee's parents are having like a crisis because they they know jubilee is a mutant right uh, because she destroyed their vcr right but it's actually really funny they're like, because later on, they're like, well, maybe it's going to be okay. And her dad's like, well, did you see what she did to the VCR? Like, which is kind of funny to me because I'm like, if that was just me as a teenager, I would have yeah, just destroyed it without repeatedly fireworks. repeatedly destroyed electronics, which is why you have such a resonance with Jubilee there, as a, a person. There, there's a story out there somewhere where I broke a phone by putting it in the microwave, like, as people do. Mm-hmm. That story's eat a phone. out there somewhere on our other podcast. <laughs> but so, like, I, 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 when he said that, I was like, that doesn't even like mean that she has a mutant power. Like that just means she's a teenager. <laughs> I know. He's like, have you seen what she did to the VCR just by touching it? And the VCR like looks totally beat up and busted and would never work again. <laughs> Ryan Pagella's Jubilee, folks. Yep. Anyway, so as soon as I saw this, I got really confused and like started frantically messaging Ryan about whether Jubilee is adopted or not in this because oh like her parents are white. And I was like, how is this possible? Jubilee's Chinese American. <laughs> what the fuck is happening here? But but, but don't worry, guys. They're her foster parents. We can yep. all calm down. They didn't whitewash Jubilee for the show. Everything's right. fine. So, um, so her foster dad gives up Jubilee's name to the mutant control agency. And we is, learn more about them later. Up, by the way. It is fucked up. That's we don't like, know how fucked up it is quite yet, but that's what he says. And he's well, like, we just want to help her. We're going to give her name to this to this agency and they're going to find her and help her at least and say I also, something like I that. wanted to clarify that this is not the mutant registration act because that's no. a different part of this show this is just a agency that collects mutants names that are supposedly to get them help but it's obviously to track them down and like kill them and or experiment on them classic well, x-men really fucking obvious in like five minutes because it's whatever this <laughs> i actually really enjoyed this show but like it definitely strains belief. Like, it is very much a kid's show. Well, you know, it also makes fun of itself, which we, which we will get Absolutely. to. Absolutely. And it's a lot funnier, intentionally funnier than Pride of the X-Men, which was a refreshing change. Right. Okay, so then Jubilee's upstairs listening in on her and foster she, parents freaking crying, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jubilee says, you know, I used to be a normal kid. Um, yeah. Which is actually really interesting because she really wasn't. Because, like, even in yeah. this, her backstory is that she's gone through a bunch of foster parents because she's parents were dead <laughs> so that, 
Jubilee's already not normal, but all right, right. Jubilee, we'll but let you have that. she can at least sort of like be normal in the sense that she doesn't have a mutant power. But yeah, no, that's a great point. And she's trying so hard to fit in. And I mean, we don't really see her have any friends, which kind of makes sense if she's being shunted from foster home to foster home and like doesn't really have any peers in her life or close relationship with her foster parents. So she has a pretty tragic situation here starting out but also it was really funny that she's like crying about how she wants to be normal but she's wearing like the most ludicrous (laughs) outfit i've ever seen i mean i know that's not intentional but i was like you know jubilee if you don't want to stick out like you know maybe maybe she just was was planning to sneak to go out maybe she was sneaking (laughs) out to a rave i mean it is the 90s like this is when raves were coming in full Circle she's here. wearing her classic outfit like she's wearing the outfit that looks like a superhero outfit already where it's like a bright <laughs> yeah, she yellow never changes raincoat. her clothes for like most yeah. of the series and there's Which a there's a reason why she wears that that's just not explained in this show but again we'll get to that later uh yeah so you'll you'll have to trudge through to our secret who's our x-men uh part of the yeah, show you gotta and wait you'll learn the all end, about then, why then she we'll has talk about coat. jubilee's real backstory but first we got to <laughs> tell you about her animated backstory okay so then then we see this huge purple robot and i mean like multiple houses high in terms of how fucking big this robot is the robots okay the sentinels are supposed to be sort of like this terrifying being they are even even in like the comic books like they i mean what they do are terrifying but they've always looked totally ridiculous and in this show they like (laughs) stomp around it's like (laughs) and and he's just like Please move out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) He does have some pretty funny lines. Also, he tries to pick up a dog. I don't know what that was about. I'm like, is the Sentinel going to kill this dog? Okay, meanwhile, the dog is like a running gag on the show, which we'll get to. (laughs) But like this dog randomly is barking at the Sentinel. The dog escapes. I was actually kind of worried. I was like, they're not going to show a dog getting hurt. But then I was like, of course they won't. It's a kid's show. The dog gets away. Um, But then the Sentinel is looking for jubilee i guess oh and that's destroys... not what i thought you were gonna say i thought you were gonna be like then the sentinel turned around i was like it's that dog <laughs> <laughs> then the sentinel weirdly quoted resident evil 4 a game that wouldn't come out until later and then the sentinel turned to jubilee's house and reaches into her bedroom okay this is great because he like punches a hole he through the wall right and like it creates this massive explosion earthquake thing and downstairs you hear like jubilee's mom be like jubilee are you all right that's like yeah, dude they are, jubilee's that, foster parents are like screaming because it feels like an earthquake has hit their home <laughs> but then she she's calmly like is everything all right in there <laughs> like, and then they open the door and they scream because like there's a huge the Sentinel hole in their house grabbed her bed out of the room and like threw it on the ground essentially and was like no life form detected because <laughs> jubilee like left a fake mannequin in her bed because she snuck out that night which we see in a second oh my but, god um uh, also yeah. I, i'm gonna mention this before the sentinel showed up there's like a shot this is this is where animation's already getting weird so there's a shot where like <laughs> jubilee's parents are hugging her and Jubilee's dad is is hugging her mom, but then his hand goes down to her butt and pats it real quick and then comes back up. And I rewound it a couple (laughs) times to make sure that I wasn't imagining that. (laughs) I'm really glad you were on that because I didn't notice it. Well, I've seen I've seen these episodes way too many times, but the animation is pretty ridiculous. 
I don't even like. Was that just like slipped in there? Or just gonna like quickly pat your butt and like it's all I right. Mean, Jubilee's gonna be Jubilee's okay. And she's like spanking like, her. Kind of an asshole in this, so I guess <laughs> it makes sense that he would also be like kind of paternalistic in a creepy way. But yeah, so I guess apparently if you put your child child's name with the mutant agency mutant whatever agency then they destroy your home like <laughs> they is anyone giant gonna robot? pay for that like is like does does the mutant control agency circle back around and like pay for property damages because know. that is a question that i kept having throughout this episode i, I, I like, really have no idea but with this the, is absurd. the more appearances of like sentinels just stomping around and people has sometimes being scared of them and other people being like cool and i'm like are we in like the movie Transformers universe where there's just like randomly Transformers like hanging out at people's houses, then also blowing them up? Like that's yeah. what it reminded me of. It's weird. And I think the show is trying to set up a lot of stuff really quickly. And in some respects, I think it does a great job. I think it but does I do too. But I do think that the Sentinels are very inconsistent, even within this episode alone. Like how should people react to them? Is you know, it normal that there's giant robots? Is it normal that there's mutants? It's relatively normal. So things are already it's weird It's relatively in normal universe, just to have giant robots marching around. If I was directing an X-Men show, I probably wouldn't start with the Sentinels because it just seems yeah. like such a leap. Um, I mean, like, cause they don't get to Magneto until like three episodes in and then they're like, oh, Magneto. So like, it's just weird <laughs> that we start with the Sentinels first and they're like, anyway, in this universe, there's giant evil robots that are going to kill you if you're like, not like human, white, yeah, straight, all those other I things, a robot's going to hunt you down. I interesting though, because it sets up a dynamic that I think is valuable where it just says like, okay, mutants are an oppressed people according to the logic of this universe and they're also constantly hunted in a way that is terrifying and we need to make that be the most important conflict of the show and then later we're going to introduce intramutant conflicts like professor x and magneto's conflicts those conflicts will be secondary the primary conflict will be mutants versus humans i mean you're right it's it's complicated i mean the x-men universe is complicated and it's why I kept on being like, you know, I love these movies when they're good, but it's just so hard to put it all into a movie. It is really hard. It's really hard. And it's hard to put it into a pilot episode. Yeah, and exactly. I, like, I I think Legion is doing really well right now because it is not it, it has no boundaries. But like, it's listen, very infrequent. I haven't watched Legion yet. I know. <laughs> but, no, that but I like, my, my point being is that like, it's a TV show that has hour long episodes. And this oh, is like yeah. a cartoon that's, that's under 20 episodes, like 20 minutes long, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, what what we're going to find out is that all these episodes kind of move in parts and overarching storylines. So like, you know, even though it's very fast paced at the beginning of this, it does take its time getting through the story. Uh, which is absolutely. And I think that what this episode does well, which we're going to get to is very quickly characterizing each mutant that we meet in an effective and funny way. Yeah. Like I, I, everybody we're, we're has about to a, get a, whole a bunch distinct of personality and you really like get that vibe. And that is something that pride of the X-Men did not do. do. No pride. Of the X-Men <laughs> decided to just like throw all the mutants into the danger room and, Professor well, Xavier so was explaining episode. their powers it's just wrong. That this episode is like actually good at setting all of that up. But anyway, let's get to it. So we we, we flash to Jubilee. the yeah. She's at the arcade, and I took a picture mm-hmm. and put it on my Twitter because this is like the most '90s arcade I've ever seen. There's like yep. little spaceships on the ground, uh, and, and everybody's <laughs> dressed in there like they're from like 1985, and they're also goth as fuck. Yep. 
This is like Ryan's dream. He just it wants is, to enter. But I was like watching. I'm like, into this, this is, arena this, and this... wear a yellow raincoat. <laughs> yeah, that's totally my luck. Bright yellow colors. Totally. Well, made. you would have worn those sunglasses. Oh yeah, I would totally you... wear those sunglasses even now. I mean, they're what I don't even know what the brand is. Jubilee's it's sunglasses are pretty, it's... pretty. They're pretty cool. They I, I agree with you. I would still wear them, but they would definitely look really goofy to wear now. Anyway, so Jubilee's playing this arcade machine. Yeah, because Jubilee, and I, we should point this out, that Jubilee is a canonical character who, throughout all the X-Men series, plays lots of video games. Mm-hmm. And she's a girl. And this was, like, in the early 90s when that was still sort of, like, a taboo thing, which, I, you know, like, it shouldn't be. Uh, and it still is I mean... sometimes. Like, it hasn't really changed that much, <laughs> but, like, it's obvious that girls play video games. But Jubilee was a girl that played video games and was a character that did that forever and has been for like the past like three decades so uh, yeah. i thought it was really cool that they started her off there so absolutely and she's always been and she's a kicking ass at it Asian she's like character. yelling at it you know yeah, she's she's, she's well, getting because a high she score. keeps her mutant power makes it so that she accidentally destroys well that's electronics. not that's not yet well, I, well actually it is it's just that there's it flashing is yeah between, this, that's the next thing that happens it's flashing between her and the sentinel which is stomping through the city and like it's literally mm-hmm. stomping down the street and there are people screaming and running out of the way and some child's child screams mommy i want one like, <laughs> i didn't notice that oh my god <laughs> and then like i like the lady that grabs the police officer and she's like do something about it and the police officer's like what do you want me to do arrest him like this thing's the size of a tower like yeah I thought that was pretty funny, too, and a good explanation of how this show isn't entirely sure how it wants people to react to something like this. I like that, like, the humans don't, like, this is actually out of the ordinary for them, too, and it's just, like, like this giant robot thing is coming to stop a mutant, but the humans are also running away from the Sentinels, so, like, there's just a lot of, like, bystanders running around in the background, a bunch of NPCs, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, but none of the humans get hurt because the Sentinel's only looking for Jubilee specifically. And the Sentinel has I'm, I'm a, a little photo confused of Jubilee about and what everything. his mission is because he starts seeing other X-Men and he's like, do not engage with this X-Men. And just like, yeah. and I'm like, what? Because normally Sentinels are against all mutants. But right. in this version, this Sentinel has a specific mission and it's only to kidnap well, Jubilee. Well, but then sometimes it changes a little bit. It's weird. It's not very consistent. <laughs> right. But it's more consistent than some other Sentinels and other things that we've seen. Uh, for for our purposes, the Sentinel wants Jubilee. So anyway, right. Jubilee accidentally breaks this arcade machine. Yeah. And this is actually my favorite part of this entire episode. I took this and I like put it. <laughs> I like took the video and put it on my Twitter because I loved it so much because she blows up the machine. And like the arcade owner, who's old as fuck, by the way, I don't know why he has an arcade comes running over and he's like hey kid do you know how much that machine costs and she's like yeah and she like tips down her sunglasses and like kind of looks around and she's like it cost a quarter and i was like jubilee's fucking savage <laughs> and then she like yeah she's really like sassy and funny but so is everybody in this which yeah, is yeah, great. yeah and then like this guy is like wait you're one of those you're one of those mutants are you he's like we don't want your kind around and then here. she gets scared and and runs away and well, sort of, but she runs away and she just goes, stupid arcade manager. So it's like the idea that he's yelling at her about being a mutant is only secondary to her him yelling at her for breaking the machine. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, like potentially, yeah, but I think she is very scared about the idea of people figuring out 
that she's a mutant because it much like Kitty in Pride of the X-Men, she takes a very long time to use the word mutant to refer to herself. Yeah. Which no, I think is like a right running about that, theme. But I felt like in that moment, she was just running away because she fucked up the machine, regardless of it being her powers or not. Because you know, like how you are as a teenager and you do something really stupid and you kind of like flirt, pretend it didn't happen. Don't accept and you, like, responsibility. Yeah, you like <laughs> run away. That's, that's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, but I understand that it was sort that's of That's how uh, Ryan was as a teen. That's not how I was. I didn't break any arcade machines. <laughs> I lived in the arcade and all my friends worked there, so I got to play free games. But, you know, uh, that's yeah, a whole different story. Yeah, I didn't story. break any arcade machines. But I didn't have mutant powers, so that might have I been I mean, why. maybe if I had the powers of fireworks, I'd break the machine. So the next thing that happens is the Jubilee runs down the mall hallway and then she runs smack into storm and rogue and everybody drops their books <laughs> everywhere because storm and rogue are like <laughs> i walking love out that of she manages together. to run into both of them it is really coincidental well no it's not even that it's impressive that she runs into the, both of them at the same time and they all fall down i was like dude like how did you manage to crash into two people at the same time like how close was rogue standing next to storm when she can't be touching people and they're both not wearing like rogues wearing like a pretty normal outfit like i know her she's skin's not wearing exposed. gloves yeah. she's wearing like, like a not stockings like a little mini dress <laughs> it's crazy oh it's so crazy anyway, because she's she's scantily clad for like the first half of this so. i know which is like very out of character for rogue no it's powers. actually in character for how she used to be it was after x-men that they decided her to like emo her up well in this she looks really sexy anyway so everybody falls on the ground and and jubilee is like you know watch where you're going or something like that and like runs off and, and rogue is annoyed but they <laughs> I don't know, know i know rogue says she's goes what bug what bug crawled up her shorts <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah rogue has like a bunch of ridiculous southernisms in this episode <laughs> i kind of love her though like, I know. This she's is a version of Rogue great. that I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, so then, meanwhile, Gambit is also at the mall in a different store. Gambit's at, like, some sort of magic store picking up decks of cards. Like, a million Dude. decks of cards. Oh, my God. I don't even know what's happening. He's flirting with the woman. He's the cashier, I should wildly say. with the cashier. And the cashier's way into it. And then... She is obsessed with Gambit. Dude, oh, there's a line here somewhere. I'm trying to find she it. She is, it's like, like, crawling over the counter trying to get to him and, like, winking furiously Oh, dude, there's, and there's, like, a part where, like, <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so Gambit's, like, going through the cards. He's flipping them. And he's like, these feel great. And oh, the lady I wrote goes that later. And then That's the lady like no, well I know but, but like yeah. she, he's like he's flipping the cards he's like he's like these feel great and the lady literally goes like anything else and winks and I was like <laughs> this is a children's show calm down Gambit. <laughs> it's absurd well that's later i actually wrote that line down too but first the sentinel crashes into the mall <laughs> that made me laugh so hard cuz he literally like explodes into the, the mall and everybody and runs away screaming screaming and then rogue goes must be a sale i know i love that but i also love the part where like the sentinel is stomping through the mall and he's going do not be alarmed i am here to protect and serve yep <laughs> and like and everyone is alarmed as fuck of course i know people so are then, screaming <laughs> well understandably but again massive property damage by the sentinel no idea who's paying for that yeah exactly so storm uses her weather powers to change her outfit apparently okay i was i wrote that down too because i was like what the <laughs> fuck like she literally just like she just raises her arms up in the air and creates a miniature storm and she's like wearing a dress and this dress just morphs into her costume and it's yeah. not explained at all. Like, 
Nope. I I don't know why that happened. (laughs) She's basically like Wonder Woman, according to this logic. She just like twirls around and suddenly has her outfit on and is Storm. And she also screams. She goes, Storm, mistress of the elements, commands you to release that child. And Rogue goes, lighten up on the speeches, sugar. Yeah, so I guess by that point, the Sentinel has found Jubilee and grabbed her. Because well, at some should... point, he finds her and, and sees her on the escalator and uses yeah. his weird tentacles to grab her in uh, yeah, the because air. It, there's lots of tentacle action in this. Because, I, I mean, I sent you a screen cap of a, a later episode of tentacles, like, feeling Wolverine's nipples up. So, I mean, get ready for that later. I uh, think it's because they can't they can't have guns, they can't have weapons. But that instead would, they have like weird kill fan someone. fiction so weapons they need to instead. Like tie people up or shoot beams of light at them well, or shoot see, like, electric it is, like, beams. It's canonical for the X-Men to have lots of like weird bondagey situations in it. Like they like they're sort of oh, famously well, yeah. known for that. Like it literally has the Hellfire Club, so Yeah. Um, but also I think part of it is just because they can't they can't have anybody die. You oh. know, it has to not be that dangerous. So oh, exactly. she's just like tied up. Well, so anyway, mm, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything. Cause there are some deaths on the show, like on screen. Oh shit. Yeah. It's not in this episode, but it's coming up real soon. Uh, so yeah, we'll leave that on. But it's somebody that in this episode is going to die later. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> who's it going to I mean, be? There's like 60 characters in that, in this episode. All right, so. so, um, I wanted to mention that before before Storm transformed, the window of the storefront that Storm and Rogue were looking into, Rogue is pointing at it, and it's all it's the store that they called Elizabeth's Secrets, and it's a Victoria's Secret ripoff, and it's all like sexy lingerie, and Rogue's like point at it, be like, oh yeah, I can wear that later, and it's like, Rogue, you can't be touching people. <laughs> yeah, but there's so many jokes about Rogue being a flirt, even within this episode alone. I mean, like, there's a lot of jokes it's, about it's that. All, it's all over the place. I, can, I mean, this is like the best version of Rogue out there because she's... It is. She's kind of she's like... she's not a ditz, but she's still like kind of flirty and funny and she has the weird southern sayings yeah. and yeah. she has the sultry voice that you know i can't really imitate like, that hey, well but... sugar. <laughs> well, you, you could wait until i do her emo voice later because i'll be like hey, i'm rogue <laughs> <laughs> yeah she are you talking about like the x-men evolution version i'm talking about anytime that rogue's like i just i just can't touch anyone also take their minds and powers but i wish i was a mutant no more like well, in this episode, she gets to that point on the show too. Sometimes, don't it. worry about it. Her voice actress has a, a blood curdling scream whenever she like can't control herself. So get ready for that because you can like turn the volume way down. Well, so does everybody. It's not like Professor X doesn't have his share of blood curdling screams. There's a lot There's of screaming of on, this show. on this show. It's actually called Scream Men. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, back to Gambit. So then Gambit is still in the store, just stacking up cards in front of the register and saying, these cards feel great. And then, for no reason, he has the cards in front of the register. He could pay for them. And for no reason, he walks away and says, be right back. And then (laughs) sees the Sentinel. Was he, like, (laughs) not going to pay for the cards? Of course he wasn't. He's Gambit. He's literally a thief. But he doesn't take them with him. He was just, like, flirting with a cashier. I don't think he was ever going to go back. You mean, like, he's going to go back and buy them later? 
I thought you were meaning like guess? he pocketed them because that's what I assumed no, that he did. He just leaves. Yeah. Well, you could be right because later when he's fighting the Sentinel, when he's fighting the Sentinel in, a, in like a couple minutes, he does throw cards at the Sentinel. But maybe he already had those. I don't know. My point is, this is this scene is only here to sort of establish Gambit as like a ladies' man essentially, and like have him flirt with the cashier. It's just a character building moment. Like he doesn't buy the cards. <laughs> totally. Anyway, um, I loved it. I loved all the Gambit moments in this. I, I mean, dude, this is a show that does justice by Gambit really well. So by the way, Rogue and Storm are fighting the Sentinel to let go of Jubilee while Gambit's like walking mm-hmm. out. And Storm managed to, she manages to get Jubilee free. So the Sentinel shoots Storm which Rogue manages to block by ripping out the escalator stairs and using them as yeah. a shield. <laughs> so I guess she got super like, strength at some why point. Did she get this- I mean, we don't know which powers Rogue has well, she yet. Got, I mean, canonically, she gets that from Carol Danvers. Like, she... Like, that's why Miss Marvel was, like, in a coma for, like, two decades. That's why Miss Marvel isn't on this show. Fun fact. <laughs> Spoilers. So Rogue has super strength and she can fly, which is, like, typical Rogue. Rogue can usually fly. So after Storm takes jubilee to safety rogue flies at the sentinel and this is a great animation by the way because for some reason like they just skipped working on this so rogue kind of like flies towards the sentinel like climbing towards the camera Mm -hmm. in like five frames (laughs) (laughs) and and also her mouth starts moving like in weird ways (laughs) like it doesn't line up like sometimes it looks over to the left and then to the right and then it's like in the center and then it's like really big for some reason this was not even the weirdest animation that i noticed in the episode there were some other things i wrote down but not this oh i know this is this was kind of like the start of oh this is what we're signing up for (laughs) so then she fights the sentinel and storm says she has a way with men to jubilee randomly (laughs) and i was like why did just what the hell why is storm making is, that joke to a child to a yeah. child that's what we established about the x-men we've not seen cyclops or wolverine at this point our introductions have been storm who's like screaming at the weather <laughs> and we have like uh rogue who is like being a hot southern bell and gambit who's just being a uh, hot southern bell and like the t- <laughs> that's the x-men credits um so then at some for whatever reason the sentinel is able to evade rogue and storm and is fighting jubilee again somehow jubilee kind of keeps meeting different x-men as she goes along like she meets gambit and gambit shows her that he can throw cards that are well that's that's because the sentinel shoots jubilee and she explodes off the front like the top level of the mall and falls through the floor and Gambit's just standing there casually and just like catches her totally casually. <laughs> He's like, hey, hey, petite. hey, it's me, Gambit. Yeah. <laughs> and then, she, and then she, he like throws the card at the Sentinel, which blows up and she's like, how did you do that? And he goes, with style, petite. With style. With style. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and so then they're, she's running off and she's freaked out and she's like, Am I a mutant? And sort of has a no, little she, existential she crisis. Doing that yet. She's just like, I'm out of here. And Gambit's like, wait, Gambit will help you, which is the introduction to Gambit just randomly talks yeah, about himself in third person. his own name. Everybody has to say their name. And, and then, and so Gambit's waving his arm as he goes, I'm a mutant too. And then you just see like the Sentinel like goofily squat down behind him, open his hand, just like go pew. <laughs> and like a laser hits Gambit and sends him flying across the mall. But it's like in the most comical way it ever. It is really cause, funny. Because like, this little just kind of like peeks down. He's like, hey. 
And then he decides that Gambit is not important enough to keep fighting. He like analyzes also, Gambit. This is, this is when I didn't understand what the Sentinel's agenda was because it was supposed to hunt down Jubilee, but then it was attacking yeah. Gambit, even though it scanned Rogue and Storm early and said, do not initiate contact with them. But, apparently, but for some reason he is with Gambit. I don't he know. He really hates Gambit. It was Gambit. like not explained. <laughs> He's just like, And I'm pretty sure Gambit's guy. on no mutant like agency list like he wouldn't register his name because he's also like a criminal well yeah and there's no way any of the x-men would be stupid enough to send their names in anywhere it's other mutants that might do it or people that (laughs) people that know other mutants that would send their names in potentially so maybe gambit's on there because he's probably in the system from like being a criminal who knows for for, like being like a a dick (laughs) yeah the sentinels after him because gambit's a dick that's what happens (laughs) yep that's it that's that's what happened they're like wow that gambit dude he's such a dick put him on an agency list and then we're gonna kill him because he's a dick. <laughs> there's a bunch of cool action scenes here i mean i enjoyed watching this scene they're like running around the mall destroying stuff i i i liked it and then eventually jubilee runs into cyclops too. and that's the end of the fight well she's being she's hit with like a, a knockout gas grenade and like as she's passing out you know, Cyclops is all like, here, let me get you. And she's like, not like I have a choice. And then she like passes out. And then we don't really see Cyclops face the Sentinel too much. No, we do. We do. He get he takes the guy's it's like head really off. Quick, though. He like uses his optic blast to, to, to behead the Sentinel. And then. But it's like very fast. Like, it you know, is. It's like, yeah. He's just like, I got you. Pew! And then cut to the X-Mansion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Jubilee wakes up in sort of a, a hospital bed type of a situation. We don't know she's in the X-Mansion yet, but we assume that she is. Right. This is like the X-Men Med Lab, mm-hmm. which is it's it, the X-Men Lab Med Lab is famous in its own right because there's so many story arcs and like dialogue that happens in this show and this comic where like one of the X-Men's injured and they're down in the Med Lab and like they're just hanging out down there. Uh, so the Med Lab is like a point of like interest for the X-Men. Like it's like the Med Lab. The danger room. Yeah. Like, the, those are the two places that they the are in the most. The living room where people watch TV and use their powers yeah, yeah, casually. Yeah. Decorate their Christmas tree. <laughs> so she wakes up there, and the, immediately the computer's like, bing, 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 and she's like, Jesus, shut up! And she accidentally <laughs> like, overloads the computer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's connected to her. So she, she, she pulls it all off, and she gets out of the bed, and nobody's in there, like, guarding the door. I know, which is or, crazy. Like, I know. And so she gets up and she walks over and she can't unlock the door because it's locked. And this is like before key cards were invented. So she's like actually like turning a handle and she's like, damn it, a lock. So she takes her fingers and points it at at it. And she's like, she's just like telling her powers to like activate. She's like, yeah, she's like, I know you're in there, like talking to her own hand. It's cute, though, because it's like indicative of how she doesn't really know how to use her powers yet. So she has to like, know, psych then they, herself then they, up. Then they do appear and then she's like, got it. And then, you know, blows it up. Yeah. And then runs into Beast, who's like okay. talking to himself. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really think about how weird that was until i was like taking a shower the next day (laughs) because like i wrote that down i was like because doing doing chemistry experiments (laughs) just like pouring stuff into bottles and being like upside down and he's just like i sure hope none of this these components explode and then he's like babbling to himself does a flip downwards and like i'm like why are you doing chemistry on the ceiling mostly it's just really funny that he's talking to himself but it's for the purposes of the audience but the way he was talking i was like oh that's just how bees talks and like the next day i was like 
Wait, he was like talking to himself though. Like, you know, <laughs> why was he doing that? Okay, but don't worry. So is everyone else because then she walks down the hallway and Morph is talking to himself. Like, well, at for least 10 Morph is like minutes. imitating the guys on the TV. Okay, like, but that's, that's his... crazy. It goes on <laughs> for so long. I mean, if this, if they're all teenagers in this, which I don't think they are, they this aren't. Time, but but they're like young. They're all yeah, young. I can like I remember when I was thirteen, I'd be bored and like I would take out the video camera or something. I and didn't be like, talk all to right, myself. I'm as gonna often. sit here and imitate all this stupid shit like kids do on YouTube. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but this right, was but before this, I think then. they're like in their mid twenties. Yeah, or like early 20s, I guess. So Morph is sitting on the couch completely alone, morphing into whoever he sees on the newscast. So Including the president, which he goes, my fellow Americans, I'm an idiot. And I was like, too real, Morph. Too real. (laughs) This is a politics. You predicted the future, dude. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And And he also turns into Jubilee at the end. And that's when Jubilee gets really freaked out. Because she's right. on well, the news. Well, that's because Jubilee is on the TV, not because Right, right, he sees exactly. Jubilee. But she's like, you know, she sees herself on the news, and she's also like, what's with these mutants? They're crazy. <laughs> so she's running down the hallway. Um, so she goes into this other room where a bunch of TVs are just Yeah, like a million on. TVs are just on, and they're okay, all so playing like, different news channels. Well, one, one, one of them is a cameo, cameo of Domino, who never appears on the show except for in that one screen. So that's the first one. I can't tell what the one after that is. He's it looks like a dude flying through the sky like cannonball, but it's not cannonball, so I don't know who the fuck that is. Uh and then it's got like Genosha Beach Inn, which you know, Genosha. Mm-hmm. Uh and then it's like Sabretooth and Magneto, and then Senator Kelly, who's all like, All mutants are potentially dangerous to all of mankind. And like <laughs> Jubilee just goes, Get a life and turns off the TV. <laughs> yep, she turns off a bunch of the TVs because then yeah, she's like going down the lines. As they're all turning off, she's like turning them off. She's like, "Geez, this TVs are just like possessed or haunted or something." Yep. And so then the professor and Jean are walking down the hallway nearby, and um, and they walk. They're walking into the room and they're talking about like bringing Jubilee in. And they're and talking also about Xavier's... the X Men and the idea of the yeah. X Men. And Jean Grey is like, "I know that eventually you were gonna have everybody figure out who the X Men are." And Professor X is like, "Not like this." And I'm like, "How did he want people to find well, out yeah, who I the X Men like, were?" Wait, wait, what was his master plan yeah, here? Like... Was he gonna show up? <laughs> he was actually gonna, like set up a stage in the middle of New York City and like just come out with like a little top hat on and be like, and like there's, there's a curtain the he's like X-Men. pulling it back he's like now introducing wolverine <laughs> he's got strong adamantia claws but i'm not really sure how those work and here's storm whose control ability to control the weather is completely understood understood I just said completely understood. I didn't get the line right because I got distracted by you being like, da 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 da. I was just singing circus music in the background because that's what I imagined he would have. But yeah, so he didn't want this to be how people would find out about the X Men. But I guess fighting a Sentinel is like a bad introduction to the X Men. I don't know. It seemed fine. I mean, what what was his plan here? I don't know. So anyway, they find the TV. Professor Xavier's like motivations ever at any point in time in this. Yeah, like even. It, no matter what medium, I'm just like, what the fuck is Professor Xavier's deal? Like, I don't know. Nobody knows. There's another conversation. Well, we can get to it in in a, in a few. So they walk nah, into the TV we're, we're room. We're ending the podcast here. We're not going to get to it. You're right. We should stop here. I think this is All a right, good stopping place. Thanks for watching. Place. I mean, listening. <laughs> <laughs> JK. Okay, so they walk into the TV room, and Jean is like, wait, all these TVs were on. What happened? And then- Okay, but I love how she... Did- okay, 
this is like the first time of many times that we get to see Jean Grey to walk in. She's like, wait a second. <laughs> These weren't like this before. And she doesn't use her fucking psychic powers. I mean, Xavier two seconds later like uses his because she's like, it's very mysterious that all these TVs that were on earlier aren't on You're now, but right. which is weird because she wasn't in the room when all the TVs turned on. So how would she know that? It is really funny, but I guess we're supposed to assume that those TVs are just constantly on at all times because they just run up the electric bill at the X Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> so Jean no, walks I, into the I, room. It's the 90s. Everybody has money now. Yeah. You can just do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> and so Jean walks into their big TV room and she's like, why aren't the TVs on? Like, like, I should be watching 10 shows right now. Like Murder, insane. She Wrote was on. Way to watch TV. Like, why would... Whatever. Anyway, so they realize that Jubilee's on the run and Professor X puts out, like, an intruder alert, which is weird because she's not really I an intruder. I thought that was weird, too. Immediately, he's like, X-Men, there's an intruder in the base. And it's like, dude, you're trying to not scare her away. Yeah, like, like she's also not an intruder. You brought well, her Well, at least here. it's not the fucking mutant alarm. Yeah, the mutant alarm. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so then, in classic Kitty Pride fashion, she like trips and falls into the danger room. I mean, she does enter it intentionally, but it's well, still like about it's, that. It's, ridiculous. I mean, like yeah, it's not really a trip and a fall. She was trying to get the door open. She's like, "Come on!" And she zaps it open. She just like randomly like, runs into a room without looking at how it says "danger room" right outside. Like, yeah, I know. Also, it says as soon as she walks in, it's like Gabbit and Wolverine sequence initiated. Oh, like, whoa, we're we walking into some porn? and then we kind of are. We it's are, a little sexual. We are like this. This is also the start of Gambit and Wolverine being so gay together. They are so gay in this specific scene. <laughs> it was like, it's like Gambit and Wolverine's private fuck fest. And like <laughs> Wolverine like throws Gambit I, onto the floor face first and like climbs on top of him and is like, like say like, Uncle where his ass Bub. I, it's like basically that obscene. He's like literally on top of Gambit from behind and mounting him like like that's exactly what the positioning is. It is. I took a picture of it. It I is. I was like, is this for real? I, right now? Ryan sent me that picture, and I was like, in context, it, there's no way it's that sexual. It's way more sexual than I expected so, it to be. <laughs> well, so which is great because oh, our they're also friend, playing tag. They say oh, that. I, I guess that's what's happening. It's like weird, like torchwood tag where they play it naked they're playing um, sexy tag with each other sexy tag um so then, how would that even work like Jubilee, tag you have to take off a piece of clothing and then run away like is that what ta- <laughs> sexual tag is i don't know <laughs> y'all have to ask him <laughs> that seems like a really weird way to turn somebody on is like quickly take off clothing and then <laughs> run, run away, away from them and be like now you catch me but like nothing ever really happens oh my god anyway so, okay so so he's after he says tag you're it he's on top of like you know Gambit sticking it in his butt, being like, had enough Cajun to say, all good. And so then Jubilee is like worried because she thinks they're actually fighting. And so well, she... she's like, she's like, are they? She's like, are they fighting or are they fucking? I can't tell. I'm just gonna shoot this guy I'm off. I'm a anyway. kid. I don't know what what sex is. So she she shoots an energy beam at Wolverine and knocks him down. And then everybody opens the door and like sees what happened. And, and like immediately all the X-Men show up and point a laugh at Wolverine. Okay, like that yeah. is our introduction to Wolverine. And like 
what they're laughing at is that Jubilee says they were fighting and I wanted to help him. And then Beast and Morph laugh for like a full 30 seconds at that. (laughs) And I was like, why is this so funny to them? Like, they just stand there and they're like, ha, 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 for like so long. I was I, I wrote a note here, but I and I didn't know what I meant by it, but I figured it out because I just wrote, "Oh, good, Storm is finally explaining anything." Oh my god, yeah, that's what happens next. Storm takes Jubilee up to the roof randomly. Yeah, right. And the, <laughs> to do this transition between scenes, we mm-hmm. are greeted by three green birds that fly towards the camera. They're like weird alien birds that just fly towards the camera, and you never see them again. The birds. I thought are they here. were like going to come back or something because nope. they did not look like normal birds. And, uh, but no, they just go up to the roof and Storm's, like, explaining what it's like to be a mutant to Jubilee. Because Jubilee is like, I'm a freak. And Storm's like, no, child. Come to me. I'm Storm. <laughs> I will be your mother figure from now on. Because that's, I'm That's Storm. Storm's role with everybody. Like, she's just like, all right, everybody calm down. I've got this. Because, like, everybody's too busy, like, crying about their powers or, like, fucking in the danger room. So... <laughs> Somebody is, and somebody's got to do somebody Xavier's job. Somebody needs to be responsible around and he, Storm here. Had to bring, Storm had to bring Jubilee to the roof because Xavier couldn't get up there himself physically. I mean, he probably has stuff installed, Ryan. It's his house. I mean, I don't know. This is like a I think weird... it's actually just that Xavier doesn't really care about initiating Jubilee in any way. Like, he apparently doesn't give a shit. I don't even People, think he talks to her yeah, I mean, a you're right, time. because, I, like, just, like, two seconds beforehand, he's like, I never wanted the public to know about the accident it's like also, the why there's you an intruder here, here dude like yeah i don't know xavier <laughs> kind of sucks in this but anyway so storm gives this kind explanation to jubilee and then she like is like i'm storm and here's what my power is and then like creates an insane windstorm and jubilee's okay, like, like screaming <laughs> because she can't hear anything the transition is great too because she just like she goes we we x-men learned something very special here jubilee and then it's like <laughs> and i was like whoa <laughs> And, okay, the best part is that it's, like, creating this huge hurricane that's knocking them off the roof, and Jubilee's like, all right, That was the part that made me laugh so hard. But it was intentionally supposed to be funny, I think. I think it's kind of funny that, like, Jubilee is, like, so snarky in this. Like, that she's making fun of the X-Men throughout the entire episode. Like, to their faces. It's amazing. You know what's really funny is, it's too bad, too, because Jubilee is, like, my second favorite X-Men, for sure. And a lot of people, like, she's got a bad rap with people because they're like, oh, do you remember in the 90s cartoon? I'm like, well, yes, there were some episodes in the 90s cartoon where she was kind of annoying. But, like, in this first iteration of her right now, she's actually pretty cool still. Like, she's I still the Jubilee. I think she's great that... in this. I liked this episode a lot. But I mean, sure I think eventually that's going to go off the rails, but we'll see. Yeah, so. we'll see. Oh, and the other cute thing that she said, like, so Storm is, like, explaining that her name is Storm and she has the power to summon the weather. And Jubilee goes, at least your name makes sense. And I was like, okay, Jubilee, you realize that Storm's name isn't really Storm, right? Like, she (laughs) chose that name because of her power. I I don't know who ever, like... Who decided to name Jubilee Jubilation? That's not a name. Well, that's like I a mean, thing. That's like a, a I don't way, know. It's an unusual it's like a name. Word but, in the dictionary, but like. But I, I mean, maybe Jubilee chose it, but like her full name is Jubilation Lee, and so she decided that her superhero name would be Jubilee, I guess. But in this, she acts like she had no say over what her superhero <laughs> name is, and I'm like, Jubilee, you could have chosen any name. Like Storm chose Storm. Because it sounds cool, I guess. I mean, I like I like that she posted it as it. She's like, well, at least your name makes sense. I blow stuff up. But, like, so. why didn't she come up with a cooler name? 
it was just like ridiculous that they didn't even try to explain it. Uh, you know, I think they just—it was just like something they didn't have time for. They had to introduce giant robots instead. Listen, I'm obligated to point out when lines don't make sense. I can't help it. So anyway, <laughs> that's not what the show is. Actually, it's exactly what the show that's is. What the show uh, is. Um. So then we go back oh and God. we see Jubilee's parents talking to the mutant control agency guy, who is right because there was a there was a section here too, like two seconds beforehand where uh, Xavier is like. Somebody on the inside of, like, the mutant agency... Mutant control uh, he, agency. Yeah, he's like, they're not supposed to be doing this, which means somebody on the inside is using the information he's getting from that to do this. I think which, that scene happens at the same time. I think it's a little alarming time. that, like, somebody within the government is doing this, yet the government is doing absolutely nothing to cover up, like, what the Sentinel is doing. And there's multiple of them just, like, like stomping down streets, like... They, it's on the news. Well, like, it's sort you know of I mean? not explained because Xavier is like, okay, so the Mutant Control Agency is a private organization that that offers this service, but the government works with them sometimes. I think he explicitly says the word sometimes, and I was like, <laughs> what? What do you mean by that? Like, to do what? What? Uh, Xavier's <laughs> just like, why does Xavier just like, just monologues like b- bullshit, like all the time? I like, know, that's his thing. Like, he can't he's like i'm a strong telepath so i can talk to you and then when i'm not using my telepathy i'm just gonna continue talking to you it's like (laughs) shut up to so anyway we we sort of see at the same time as xavier having that meeting with everyone the jubilee has apparently like very quickly snuck out of the x mansion and taken a bus all the way home somehow and i don't know how that works out either and how none of the psychics figured that out no they didn't notice she left and she got home really quickly because she's worried about her parents are we supposed to assume that like jubilee lived in new york city because we don't actually know that we don't know where she's from we have no idea like it's i mean if it was actually in the comic books it'd probably be out in california somewhere but it's not it's in new york city i think it so. has to be but then how did she get from upstate new york which is where the x mansion usually is back to, i i mean i don't know she like she got there real quick yeah so she gets back to new york city somehow and is on a city bus and she gets off and like goes and finds her house and is worried about the sentinels attacking her parents i guess I mean, that's, a, that's a legitimate concern i mean they did destroy her house and, so. And so as a, as she's running down the street there's this there's literally a sentinel hiding in the alleyway between two buildings and it's just standing there and, and it's like peeking around the alley at like it's like not discreet like there's a the giant fucking robot between so these two buildings is because the sentinels are so big like we already mentioned this but they're like taller than they're a like, building so right, it exactly. can't hide and it's like and he's like he's like stealthily got his back pressed up against it and he's like leaning around the corner like all secretly and i'm like no Dude. one will see and like me. everybody sees this giant fucking robot like we all see it <laughs> so anyway the jubilee. sentinels apprehend jubilee but well yeah another second sentinel shows up because the first one wasn't enough apparently so they're apprehending jubilee and meanwhile inside jubilee's house we see her foster parents talking to the mutant control agency guy who i think is henry peter garrick i don't i think yeah, that's no, the character that's who it is. That it You're is. Right. and then he's saying all this sketchy stuff to them and being like no we're just gonna you know take mutants and keep them safe and it's totally fine and anyway bye we'll just take your kid he's he's, i love that he's got like the big like ominous glasses on you don't see his eyes and he's like we'll take good control of jubilee did i say control i meant care i i mean control (laughs) (laughs) anyway bye (laughs) it's ridiculous (laughs) 
<laughs> I I wrote in my notes, Jubilee cares way more about her foster parents than they do about her, which is well, like yeah. really tragic, but seems I mean, true. At the beginning of this, her mom was like, dude, we make a mistake by adopting her. Like, that I was know. like the first it's part. It's grim because she's a mutant. And so her foster parents are like, we shouldn't have taken her in. It's fucked yeah, up. Jubilee's sort of got, always been in a shitty situation. That's Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Like, even canonically, she just yeah, is, yeah, she yeah. gets the short end of the stick when it comes to that kind of stuff. Well, we'll get to that in a bit. Okay, so back to the X-Mansion, where apparently no one noticed that Jubilee left and got all the way back to New I, York City. I, I, I really want to point this out, because I don't know if you noticed this, but all like, this is only, like, minutes later after the last scene with uh, all the X-Men. So all the X-Men are still standing there in their costumes, Except Wolverine, who's fully changed his clothes. <laughs> he's like where he like put he's on like his, his, his flannel his and like some jeans. He's like plaid. wearing like a leather jacket and like I'm like, when did Wolverine change? Like what the fuck? I mean, I Everybody think we have costume. to assume that this is later because Jubilee had to have had time to escape. Well, let's just assume that he like had to go shower because after him and Gambit oh, had yeah. sex, What's he had up? to like run that costume through the laundry a couple times. Yeah, so. and then he put on his flannel and he came back and they all held the meeting. And so both <laughs> Wolverine and Gambit want to go on the mission, but for some reason Gambit isn't allowed to go. Except thought, then okay, he ends so, up going. N- well, they're, they're like, these are the people that are going to go. And well, no. First, Gambit is like, I could get in and out there easy. And, then- I know, and he could. He could. And, and he's like, no, we're going to have Storm, Wolverine, and Morph do it. Like, Xavier just interrupts and is like, no. <laughs> I know. I, exactly. And I'm like, what? Why are we having Storm, Wolverine, and Morph do it? Because, like, Wolverine and Storm are not discreet. No, I know. Morph uh, is. Morph, Morph could be because he could pose as the guards. Like, my choices would be, like, Rogue and Gambit and uh, Morph. Because Gambit, like, obviously is a thief and knows how to get around. And, like, sort of, like, you know, he also, you know, also has that, like, that way where he can negotiate and charm his way out of situations. And mm-hmm. Rogue can just sort of, like, knock people out instantaneously and then get all the information from them. So if you're doing a covert mission, like, those are the ones we want to go, go with. But they're, like... Nah, we're going to send our loudest people that like <laughs> monologue when they use their powers into the situation. <laughs> Nobody will know. But it doesn't matter because they all go anyway. I know. Like originally Xavier's like, we need only three mutants to go. And these are the three that I'm picking. And then it ends up that like eight mutants go. <laughs> and I was like, OK, fine. So like seconds after the three mutants are assigned. And I think the initial three mutants are Wolverine Storm and who goes cyclops i don't even fucking know anyway so they walk out the door and wolverine instantly realizes that jubilee is gone and he's like i'm not going on the mission i'm gonna find jubilee and he leaves yeah well but no because that's that's because gene walks in the room first and she goes i just checked jubilee's room and she's not there and it's like none of the psychics picked up on that yep. for the hours after she was taking a bus no away no one was watching jubilee at any point at all and then wolverine was like Fuck I didn't it. even think I think Wolverine wasn't even going to go. I think Wolverine was like, fuck you all. I work on my own and like, well, count me out because but then, like, Wolverine and Cyclops have a little altercation where it's like kind of established that they're rivals. But that doesn't seem to be why Wolverine just like randomly leaves. I don't understand any of like Wolverine's motivations in this entire episode. Well, I I'm just going to throw that thought, out there. I thought that maybe they were trying to start to set up a friendship between Wolverine and Jubilee. Maybe, but it's not really seen yet. So I guess we'll, well see. Well, no, it's not because they keep on like going back to like him and Gambit having sex. Well, yeah, I they're mean, really a, busy establishing that plot. 
<laughs> they're just like leaning really heavily on the Gambit Wolverine relationship. I'm like, come I mean, on, we get it. It's not a wrong way to go. So one animation note that I had was when Professor X leaves the meeting room and Cyclops runs after him like a crazy person. <laughs> Did you notice that? I forgot about that. I didn't write it down, but you know, our mutual friend Katie and I have been making fun of that run since high school and we've always oh called it the Cyclops God. run. Like whenever you see me run like that, it's that's why it's called the Cyclops run. I didn't realize that. I like, <laughs> But then it's really so funny because in the first X-Men film, James Marston does that run at one point and I was like did he like look at the like the TV show? We know that they did. Like, like they all he's watched. Like, this it. is how Cyclops moves. I mean, apparently it is. Like his legs are going like sideways. <laughs> I really can't explain this. We'll have to post a picture of it on the Twitter or something because I don't know all on right. the Mutant Agents Twitter. I mean, Cyclops and Professor X then have this like very confusing conversation. Did you understand this conversation? Because I no, made I me wasn't, feel I wasn't stupid. really listening because like Gambit was arguing with like Wolverine in the corner and oh, like, you were mostly focused on that. <laughs> yeah, and Wolverine was like, "I go where I want to go," and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Remy's like ready to. Th- he's like charging a card that he's gonna throw at him, and Xavier's like, "Just let him go." And Gambit's like, "Yeah, he's not worth it anyway." And Gambit just throws the card aside. I'm like, "Dude, you just threw a bomb." <laughs> That's and I mean, true. you don't even see it explode, but it's charged. It just like flies away. I'm like, it just like what? blows up a wall somewhere. The X Mansion is just like littered with bombs and explosives at all times. I mean, that's actually pretty true that the X Mansion is just covered in holes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's completely normal. So, but like Xavier and Cyclops have this fucking weird interaction where Cyclops is like, don't you think maybe it's immoral for us to be breaking into the mutant control agency? Because like, we don't really have a right to be there. And it's like a use of force and we don't really want to do that. This this conversation. And Xavier just responds, you know, I know what you're going to say. And I'm like, wait, but I don't know what he's going to say. I didn't didn't know what he was going to say either. And then Xavier just rolls away. And I was like, wait, I don't know what he's going to say. And they don't don't, tell you. I don't know. Like, I think the lines there were weird because I think it should have been more like, don't you feel like us breaking into the mutant, like age, the mutant control agency is really dangerous for us as mutants to be doing. That's what I I feel like should have been the conversation there. I wouldn't have assumed that was it. I thought that maybe the implied line was something like, won't this make other people see the X-Men as like a violent terrorist group because we're like breaking into this agency and they well, won't see us as good guys. Well, it doesn't matter because it's not explained and Xavier like cuts him off and is like, I know what you're thinking, but nobody else is going to know. <laughs> Bye. It's never resolved. Don't worry. Anyway, so then they go. So then the three mutants go and then Blackbird lands and then all of them are there. Literally (laughs) every mutant goes on this mission. And like, okay, so wait, let me go through my notes. Oh, so Rogue and Beast and Morph. Okay, wait. And Cyclops are walking together. And Storm. And Storm's there too. And, and Storm, like, oh, everyone, fucking everyone is there, and they're, and they're loudly actually, talking which, to each other <laughs> in the woods. Which is really funny, because they're, like, going on this covert mission, and they're loudly talking to each other. But it's it's funny, because, like, I actually really like the conversation that they're having. I do, too. I actually really like it, I felt like too. it was, like, a very good set of dialogue explaining, like, what it's like to be a mutant. Because all three of them were like, 
you know, talking about their, their past, trials, which of, I actually you know, thought wasn't too exposition or heavy handed because it's set up by the context of them all having just met Jubilee. So it's like it's yeah. it makes sense that they would all be thinking to themselves, when was the first time that I had to negotiate with my powers and like think about this? And it's like an, it naturally comes up in conversation in a way that right. it might come up. But they don't say that they just are happening to be talking about that. And we sort of come in on the scene in the middle of the conversation. I actually thought that was good. I thought that was too, too. I was actually pretty impressed with that bit of writing there. Uh, and Rogue's like talking about like how, you know, she, she's talking about her first boyfriend, her first and kiss, she needed her kiss. And then he like went into a coma and then she's like, and then after all that, all the boys stopped calling. Uh-huh. And, you know, then, you know, Beast, and then Beast like, laughs out loud at that. And it's like an example of how they have these like very dark jokes about like what is a really sad thing to happen to them, essentially. But like, yeah, exactly. Beast which, just, which, like, which is tells so X-Men. It's like it, it's, it's the great. quintessential point of the X-Men right there. Because like Beast's comeback is, well, I got dandruff. The implication being that that's why nobody called him. But the reason is because he's Beast. Like, I know. I it's know. It's just like it's like a sad, dark joke. It's right. just and then, weird and like. But good. then Morph pops in and he's all like, "Is like, well, whenever I got in trouble with the principal, I just morphed into him to get myself out of trouble." Yeah. It was like, okay, Morph, you're a dick. <laughs> I know, and also like that wouldn't work. But okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like it's just it's it. I, I like I like that whole scene, and then Cyclops kind of stops them. Yeah, that the part where he stops them. Rogue says, you know, it just about killed my dad to know that I was a mutant. And then Cyclops just goes, yeah, we all had to face that problem. And then that yeah. just like closes out the conversation. And it's yeah. it's just like a serious moment. It's, oh, it, and then and then Wolverine is in a tree. OK, this is my favorite part because Wolverine <laughs> shows up and he's just like sitting there. He's like, he's like, they're because like, they're like they're standing there and Beast is like, you know, hat how did we all end up like this? Like, right, why right. are we all this way? I think Rogue says something like that. She's like, so why, how did mutation happen? Why do we have, and then, all have and mutant Wolverine powers? just is like in the tree. He's like, lousy luck, I guess. And well, he's like, you know, Beast lists off some possible causes. And one of the causes is television. I don't, I don't know. Beast is just making shit up yeah, in the Beast corner. Beast is like, maybe the ozone layer depleting. Maybe it's television. Because <laughs> basically he's joking and saying, I don't know what causes mutation. Nobody yeah, knows. Pretty much, pretty much. And then, Wolverine's just like, you sure all make a lot of noise, like <laughs> calling out the fact that they're on a covert mission and they're just like casually walking through the woods, having a very loud Clomping conversation through the woods, talking at full <laughs> volume after they landed a massive jet, by the way. I know. And so then they're all like, where's Jubilee? And he's like, I couldn't find her, but I got bit by a dog. And I was like, I <laughs> Wolverine, you have a healing factor. Like, why did you just randomly mention that? No, but it's that? like the way he says it. He's like, he's like, the trail went cold outside got bit by a dog too <laughs> i mean it made me laugh i don't know i liked this i liked all of this so then they <laughs> crawl up to the electric fence they literally crawl on all fours up to the electric fence in full view of everything and okay then... i know and then warp's like hey toss me over the fence i'm like you're the only one that can like become small enough to fit through it like why are we tossing you dude but then beast and wolverine like give each other a weird thumbs up and then wildly throw morph <laughs> over the fence <laughs> And he screams while he's going over the fence, which catches the attention of the guard who runs over. Yeah, but the guard over. runs over. He's like, hey, are you all right? Which like, is insane, like, right? Like, somebody just fell into this. Like, this is like. I a... thought it was really weird that the security guard was like, 
not doing his job. I know. Because he's the security over, guy. Like, an intruder just blatantly came in. He's like, hey, you okay, dude? Like, so the first I thing, supposed- I forgot this already, but the first thing that actually happens is that storm causes a huge storm to happen. Like, a huge, loud storm. But then that doesn't affect anything. I know, because in the next frame, it's gone. I know. I don't know why she did did any of that. Like, Cyclops is like, storm. She's like, all right, powers of nature. And then it's like this wild hurricane appears. And like two seconds later, there's no weather at all. I know. (laughs) So then Morph sees the guard walking up to him being really nice for some reason about what's blatantly a break in. (laughs) And the guard is like, are you okay? And then Morph turns into the guard and like knocks him out with, you know, gas or whatever. But then Morph never uses that disguise again. Did you notice that? You know, you think he would, but he like just. He does. I don't know. It's like it's weird as that there's like no security cameras in this place either. There's like no security at all. Like the best they got was like this low budget guard. Like that's their security. So Beast then steals the keys from the guard, but they don't use them because Wolverine rips the door off its hinges, basically. <laughs> and Wait, Beast, but I love that. It is great. And Beast makes a joke about how they have the keys but didn't use them. And so so they go inside. Wolverine uses tracking power and smells beams, laser beams. Yeah, he beams. smells like the laser beams, and they're like, whoa. You can smell that. And he points to his nose and goes, ozone. <laughs> Which is a joke about earlier where Beast was talking about how their mutant powers are caused by the depletion of the ozone layer. Get it? And I then- mean, it took me a while. At first I was like, ozone, ozone layer. And I was like, ozone, the 90s band? And then I was like, no, this is like what Beast was talking about. But that was like not where my brain jumped to right I away mean, when he said that. I only got it because I was like taking notes on this episode, but it's a pretty <laughs> fucking weird joke. So then Beast randomly quotes an English Victorian poet named Coventry Patmore, who I had to look up because I'd never fucking I'm heard of you this did, poem. Because I just didn't give a three shits about what Beast was even saying. He just like quotes a poem that's not a famous poem at all. <laughs> And then he says, I assumed it was famous. A minor poet for a minor disturbance or whatever. And I was like, Beast, you're so fucking pretentious. You took like a minute out of everyone's time to quote this shit. It's not. I fucking love it. It's amazing. And then they're like, okay, well, Storm can use her mist powers to make us see the lasers. Mm -hmm. So she like literally says, she's like, you will see them. As the mist rises. <laughs> and then like mist, I don't know how this works, but it like comes out of the ground. Yeah. And then we see the lasers. Mm-hmm. So then Beast like jumps up onto the ceiling and like crawls across the thing and gets to the security thing. <laughs> and then and, he goes. Uh, opens it and he goes, security. Hmm. Security. Are any of us truly secure? He says. <laughs> I laughed so fucking hard at that. I loved Beast in this. Like genuinely, his lines were so stupid, I but mean, I laughed I at all like, of them. I feel, I feel like this show, of all the shows, did a really good job, just like sort of bringing all the X Men down to their simplest forms of their personalities. Yeah, you like know, Beast like, being like a pretentious weirdo who talks to himself in his lab. Like it all worked for me. I got it. Like I understand I mean, like, what kind of character I, I, he I is. I think what we need to like point out here is that like all the characters at this point minus their mutant powers all their personalities are already super weird totally but like they're also really funny and likable which is important for a pilot but they're like also all nerds which is also important so okay so then we flash back outside cyclops and gambit and rogue are waiting outside (laughs) my favorite line of the entire tv series is right here oh rogue's southern saying that she says this part oh yeah the part where she goes 
You look more nervous than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> Is that your favorite line? And the whole show. No, I've been quoting that like my entire life because like it's pretty you know, like, cute. No, back in like like when we were teenagers and all that, I, we were like, the fuck, who the fuck says that? Like, it's pretty incredible. And I mean, I mean, we've I get already, it. Like, I, 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 I get what the lines, joke but, is here, but yeah, like you know, the rocking chair like hitting its tail, like mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. So then the final shot of this is uh, them going to a doorway, and Storm's going to open it, and Morph is like. Looks like clear sailing from here. And then it shows a shot from the other side of the door. And there's just like 10 soldiers holding <laughs> massive guns. <laughs> well, but also like right before they go in there, Cyclops sees a tank rolling down the street and he goes, we've got company or something. And like, so we get that <laughs> like, like there's a million soldiers, I guess. It, it's like, it's just like, the, we're just assuming that the cliffhanger here is that they're all about to get shot and die. Yeah. And they do in the next episode. After it cuts to black, that tank rolls in and all of those soldiers kill all of the X-Men. It was a very short season. So that's the Spoiler. that's the end of the episode. That's that's where we where it ends. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen next, but we know that Jubilee's been kidnapped, and so they're probably going to find her, and she'll probably be okay. But you know, probably, uh, or all the X Men are going to die in the next episode, or one of them will. Oh shit! You, Which one's it going to be? Gonna keep saying that every time. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you happens. if you want to know who dies in the next episode, and you've never seen X Men before. Uh, which is probably unlikely. Let's just hope it's Professor X. <laughs> is that too mean? Oh my god! I mean, he's, he's kind of a dick in this. Yeah, but like I know let's it's just skip him. to like the the storylines where Magneto is leading the X Men. Let's just go there. That's much better. Mm-hmm. All right, um, so uh, so time for some politics. What's on the news? Oh shit. Uh, so X-Men is So on this the actually has some pretty similar themes to things that we've Pride already talked about. I was um, I know. I was writing that down too. I was like, this is a lot of the same stuff because it's still like it's the first episode and it's a pilot introducing all these concepts. Uh but so I mean right it's seven it the nineties, so it's been a couple years. Um it's a little and bit think, goofier. The writing got a little bit better. Yeah. But it's also very similar in structure to Pride of the X-Men in a lot of ways, because we have this very young mutant who is coming to terms with the fact that she is a mutant and like accepting that label for herself. And she meets the X-Men. She goes in the danger room by accident. She has all these interactions with this strange new world and like doesn't know what to make of it. And like Jubilee's kind of our way in. And yeah. that is all very similar. I think Jubilee is a lot more hands on, even though she is kind of a damsel in distress in the sense that she gets kidnapped. Anytime she's in peril in the episode, I felt like she handled herself. She behaved in a human and interesting way. She didn't annoy me, you know, like I didn't feel watching this like, wow, this right. is like really sexist. You right, know what I mean? Like, in, like in I, that was the X-Men, Kitty is all annoying for she's some reason, even though that's the not entire time. And she's like, ah! Yeah. It's like you just you're so irritated by her. I mean, I, I feel like Jubilee. I, there's I, I I said this already, but I feel like, you know, obviously uh, the there's the gay undertones here. But in of this course. particular episode, I felt like this is more of a, a becoming a teenager story than it is than, you know, like becoming a mutant story, because like a lot of this is like when you're a teenager and you're just discovering yourself and like, you're kind of afraid of yourself, but you're also like semi-interested and you're trying to pretend it's not happening. Yeah. Um, 
And then, of course, it could be about the, the same thing about being gay, too. Uh, but, like, I definitely, but it could you know, also like, be about, with like, her breaking adulthood. the VCR and running away from the arcade manager, I'm like, oh, this is just, like, her becoming a, a teenager. And, like, uh, testing the limits of authority and boundaries and rules and, like, being like, oh, yeah. what, can I run away from my parents? Like, what, who but do then, I trust? But then also having, like, this double, this double problem where it's, like, you know, she's becoming a teenager in her own person, but also discovering that, like, she's different from everyone. Yeah, so, I mean, it, like in because you know, like when you're a teenager, you you already think that, but like in this, it's like no, I'm also I'm also gay. Like it's a right. way harder now. Like because I mean, now I have to like there's deal that, with this. but there's also like some very literal aspects of marginalization in Jubilee's character. Like she's in a foster home, and we we it's established that she's been in multiple foster homes, and she's Asian. So she and she's mutant. So like in this world, that's like a lot of things for her to be pushing back against in terms of just she's not a normal kid. Like you pointed yeah. out, she has a lot of things well, to deal with normal. that the average person the typical life wouldn't wouldn't have to deal with those problems and like that's that's kind of cool to have that be the first character that you meet and be like not only is this character a mutant she also has these other things about her that make her you know not the majority of people in oh, right. the I united mean, like, states i think it was a, I, I i always stand by jubilee i think she's a good choice because like like you said she's not from a typical family she's been gone from foster home to foster home She's not white. Uh, I just think you know. it's cool. I I I think that's like a cooler heroine to start with than Kitty Pride. Not that I don't think Kitty Pride is cool, but I think that having it start out with a character who is very different from the norm is a bold move. In I comparison, agree. I agree. And then, and like as I said, I feel like all the the X Men in this they like you know they have mutant powers, which they talk about in this. But like you know, we're introduced to all of them, and they're all like. They're all nerds. They're all socially awkward. Like, <laughs> well, especially Beast. But yeah, I mean, they like, are yeah, Beast all, especially. But like, you know, like socially unusual. But think and, about like, it though, Gambit. because like you know, like like Rogue's thing is that she's just constantly like being overly sexual, and like Storm can't say anything without giving a monologue. Cyclops like is just like being cyclops. Wolverine like has no social skills in this whatsoever. He just keeps on screaming. Yeah, he's at everyone. like an antisocial loner. He can't right. get along with Morph's anybody. Just making bad jokes all the time like Gene you know. can't tell when tvs are on or not <laughs> i actually feel like Jean like just was not doing anything in this but whatever yeah she doesn't re- she's barely in the episode yeah so but I, I mean i like that though because it's sort of like it's a reminder that the mutants aren't just like about being a mutant it's about like being somebody who doesn't fit in anyway like if they didn't have mutant powers all these people are total weirdos anyway like you know what i mean, I mean like I so they would still be hanging also... out kind of a a socialization issue too though right because like they are mutants so they were cast out from society so then they end up being weird because that's how other people define them and also because they don't have any friends you know like it's like other people define you as being weird therefore you sort of adjust to that i mean that's something that happens in real life like if other people tell you that there's something wrong with you you're going to compensate for that in some way right exactly i mean like you know that's why both you and i are fucking weirdos that's no, why you and i have an x-men <laughs> podcast when we're in I mean, our I mean, yeah totally that's it but you know like <laughs> i think you and i also fall back on making really like aggressive jokes a lot yeah yeah <laughs> uh, well there's that 
And I mean, the only other thing I wanted to mention, and like, I'm sure we're going to get into this in future episodes of this show, but it'll be like an undercurrent thing. The thing about like the X-Men as a metaphor for just marginalization in general, that doesn't really work is that sometimes the X-Men are really dangerous. And I feel like that is, that's what makes the metaphor not work because it's like, what are we saying? Are we saying that like sometimes gay people are really dangerous and like yeah, sometimes I mean, they like, are gonna be trying to kill you and be part of an elite brotherhood of terrorists or sometimes <laughs> they're not and like i feel like sometimes that kind of falls apart because sometimes mutants do have superpowers that can like destroy property or right. and then at hurt that point, people it's or like, kill people and like yeah that is why the metaphor doesn't quite work and i think that's something that the show is probably gonna struggle with because every iteration of x-men has kind of been unsure how to deal with that as like a thing like what would it really be like if people had mutant powers like how would people react to that and what would they do and what would they be would appropriate for them to do and like scream they would just see them coming from two different directions and run towards the camera screaming that's what would happen <laughs> i mean basically yeah but that's like a really reductive way <laughs> of thinking about anything so i i guess i just wanted to say that like i recognize that as far as metaphors go this is like not a perfect metaphor at no all. it's you're, you're right that it's not but um i i also wanted to touch upon the fact that there's there's a few things in here like uh there's there's a lot of politics happening already because oh, we have yeah, we, we have Senator Kelly who, politics. Yeah, the, we have the, Senator the Kelly president. who's like literally standing on TV saying mutants are dangerous, which is really harrowing to listen to right now, especially with the way that politics are in this moment of time. Like mm-hmm. it's almost like this is too real now when it when it was less so in the 90s. Yeah, uh, in the but 90s. But it was based on the stories from a, a like a previous decade. Uh but, like, you know, listening to, like, this senator get up on stage and be like, you know, all these people are dangerous, which, uh, it, it's it's scary. Because, like, it is that's, scary. That's, that's what we're dealing with right now. Like, you turn but on the, the news, time, that's what we're this seeing. this stuff was, like, a commentary on the civil rights movement and the gay rights movement. Like, yeah, that, exactly. those things were very forefront in people's minds. But now, when we watch this stuff, we think about, like, immigration policies and shit like that. But, right. and I guess we still think about gay rights movement and civil rights movement well that, that's, that's really my next, ended, my next but... thing is because then we also have the sentinels which basically like you register they, they have this system set up that you check that you're like signing up for like mutant control agency and you put your right. name in there right and then they come or to, someone like, else's name you that away, you know yeah yeah which which i think i mean that's pretty scary because first of all i mean like again that is what's happening right now and it's really fucked up um but also in the 90s, as being a gay kid, like, you know, like, not to reference, but I'm a cheerleader again, there was definitely a whole point of, like, if you are discovered as gay, people are going to come for you. They and may send kill you, you to conversion camps, potentially. Or... Yeah, exactly. And so, like, they could, they, there's definitely people that are going to hunt you down. Um, and so, like, it definitely works for, you know, the, the LGBT community in the 90s. Now it works for, like, any non-white community in 2017. Uh, yeah, and, and like any immigrant communities, just just generally. And like, I mean, yeah, unfortunately, exactly. it still works for a lot of like, you know, trans people are in danger all the time. And like, exactly. there's so many communities now that, that these themes, like watching this is very lighthearted. Like there's a lot of jokes in this show. I laughed watching it, but you're right. Like the undercurrent of what's being told here is really scary. And it's... Right. I mean, I don't know that the show is like approaching that in a serious. I mean, way. I think I, I don't think 
I, it's based off in comics that are, but they're yes. trying to make it for children. And I think it's like, it is kind of important that all the humans that are just bystanders are running around that really don't know what the fuck is going on are just like sort of caught up in the middle of all of it and they don't know what to do. Like, That's true. And I think it's also like maybe worth noting that even though I said that Jubilee's parents were shitty, foster parents, they are shitty, but they're also like clueless and trying to be helpful. Like yeah. they're like these two white people who are like, I guess we better give her over to the mutant control agency. We don't know what to do. And like they end up like almost killing her and like tons of other people by getting these sentinels. Right. To, exactly. I mean, and I think that's to come out and like, that is still relevant. Sadly. Yeah. Like it's terrifying. Like it's, so I think the sentinels, even though these are super goofy in this represent a much more terrifying concept about absolutely about like what the government is doing in response to that kind of thing. And even if it's not the government itself, it's sort of like what, you know, a like private a, corporation that the government works with. Sometimes. Umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> create zombies it's um, the umbrella corporation yeah, yeah totally. that's true because the umbrella corporation actually is real sentinels aren't real i mean but umbrella point, like is. all the characters in resident evil may as well be mutants because they've all been infected like 300 <laughs> times over so this podcast was getting too serious this, we this have to podcast is resident now about evil. resident evil i'm sorry that you came here looking for x-men we're gonna talk about leon now <laughs> no we're not we're gonna talk about jubilee because it's time for our next section all right are you ready yep Who's that X-Men? <laughs> All right. So tell me tell me about Jubilee's backstory, because I know you're a Jubilee expert. So I am a Jubilee expert. So uh, I, I decided, first of all, that I think throughout this series I'm, of our podcast, I have ten my top 10 favorite X-Men, and you won't know who they are until we get to those episodes. Jubilee is my number two. I'm sorry to all those people that are going to like, they're shutting off the podcast now that I just said that. Uh, but Jubilee <laughs> is actually a great character in the comic books. Uh, and this show, like this, this episode, she was still pretty great, uh, even though she gets whinier as the episodes progress. But anyway, so her first appearance was in 1989. Her little fireworks are actually called pyrotechnic plasmoids. And she can sometimes also like charge objects like Gambit, but not that frequently. Like, I don't think that's a power that she ever really honed in on. Um, and fun fact, if you are a Jubilee fan, uh, she has some latent telepathic abilities. So she isn't a full-on telepath, and she can't, like, talk to people like Jean or Xavier can, but she can block out other telepaths. So she's, like, kind of immune to telepathy in that way, which is actually pretty cool. Maybe that is in this, because that will explain why Professor X and Jean can't ever figure out where she is. You know, that's actually a really good point. I didn't even think about that while watching the episode. Let's just say that it was intentional, because that <laughs> right. solves for one of the biggest plot holes on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just fixed it for them. Mr. Sinister was not even involved this time. Ha. Uh, so, anyway... She lost her powers for a while in the comic books, but then she got, like, infected with a vampire virus. So now she's been mm -hmm. a vampire for the past decade, and I'm really yep. hoping that ends sometime soon. I have read some of these vampire comics, and they're super goofball. They're, they really are. I mean, she's still being herself in personality, yeah, but it's, but like, like, so weird. Why? Because I feel like, I feel like they, they did that so they could be like, oh, you know, like, True Blood is popular mm -hmm. and Twilight is Twilight. popular. We need yeah, yeah, we need yeah. a vampire, vampire character, diaries. and it should be Jubilee because now Wolverine and Jubilee can't control their bloodlust together. Like you know, that's that's kind of what I got from that, uh, and it's stupid. And we all know that eventually it's going to reverse, but it's just like taking its sweet ass time. And I'm literally like, why is this still happening? Um, anyway, so 
you know, as we saw in this episode, she's a mall rat. She plays video games, and I already talked about how like important that is, especially in like nineteen ninety whatever it was, uh, mm-hmm. because like she's a character that's a girl that goes to arcades and fucking owns her machines. Like you know what I mean? Like she's badass <laughs> yeah. and she's super punk. Uh, she appeared in four of the X Men films. Uh, the first three X-Men films, she was just a cameo, and then she was sort of a minor character in X-Men Apocalypse, but then became a cameo because Brian Singer, like, cut all her scenes. God, yeah. Which we're both still disappointed oh, about. Oh, but uh, you know what? She was the main character of the Generation X TV pilot that just became a movie instead um, in 1990-whatever-that-was, so maybe someday we'll get there, because I actually legitimately love that film because it's so bad, but also, like, Probably we'll see most... if we get that far. I know. We've if... got a long way to go, just, my just friend. So you, if you don't know this already, there is another X-Men TV pilot for a TV series that just became a movie called Generation X, and it's, like, really low budget, but it has, like, the best version of Emma Frost in there. So, anyway, she's also Wolverine's, like, first official sidekick, even though Kitty, like, trained with Wolverine. Like, Jubilee was the sidekick to Wolverine, still is. Uh, and then, you know... Obviously, X-23 became, like, the next official sidekick, and Jubilee and X-23 did not get a lot at first, but then because of that, because they were like, Wolverine's our dad, sort of. Uh, <laughs> and so they would fight about that kind of shit, but then they, like, got over it, and then now they're, like, like like close, like, sisters. So that that's pretty cool. Um, she was born in Beverly Hills, California. Lucky bitch. <laughs> not anymore. Now she lives in New York, I guess. Get ready for this, because this is, like, the batshit insanity of Jubilee's introduction to the comics because it's like totally different from the TV show. The only thing that's similar is that there's a mall involved. So her parents were murdered by hitmen. Uh, and so, sure. <laughs> yeah, and so Jubilee was sent to an f- orphanage and then she ran away to the Hollywood mall and she like basically lived in the mall hiding in like vents and shit, stealing food and like whatever she needed to live. Uh, and then while she was being chased by security one time, like she like was so stressed out that her Paris like exploded on them and so she got away and then and then like she was like hey i could do this to my advantage so she would go into like the middle of the mall and like perform little shows and make a whole bunch of tips and then the security would try and like stop her and she just had this whole cat and mouse thing going on with with the mall security for a long time because they could never catch her or figure out what her deal was so she was basically stealing shit and like uh you know like making tips to eat that's a pretty cool backstory. It's kind of similar to the one that we see here. Well, in that right, it's in a she... mall and she's escaping a mall, but instead right. of mall security is the central. Now this, and that, now this is also sort of similar to is because the mall security hires out like this, uh, this team called the M squad, which is like, they're essentially like professional mutant hunters that come and just kill mutants. Uh, like, you know, like exterminators. Uh, right. Jeez. And so they hired them to go and get her. Uh, and she, they almost do, but then, like, the X-Women show up, so it is the X-Girls. You know, it's, like, Storm and Rogue, and I think Psylocke is there, if I recall. So that part is similar, too. That's kind of cool that they, like, sort of paid a mini homage to that in this episode. Right, but now this is where things are fucking weird, because this is during the period of time where, like, the X-Men sort of, like, disappeared for a while, and, like, nobody knew where they were, and they were, like, living in, like, the outback of Australia. (laughs) Sure. Uh, and they were getting around by portals. (laughs) <laughs> so so jubilee sees them leaving a portal and she like chases after them like sneakily because she's like who the fuck were those people i've never heard of the x-men before and so she follows them to their base in like the outback and like they don't see her there so she sneaks into the the base and she like lives with inside the walls of the their like mansion out there 
similar to how she lived in the mall she was yeah, just also yeah. living undercover like, in that and, you know i guess the psychics well, the never really fucking mansion. noticed that the psychics again didn't pick up that julie wasn't there because they can't you know she's got the the blockage right right uh and so uh, so like you know she gets around by stealing food and stuff and like secretly spying on them being like who the fuck are these people and then when they're not around she starts stealing pieces of their costumes which is how what? she gets her costume. Oh my god. That's where so it's So that's from. why it's such a random collection of shit. Right, it's like just stuff she took from everybody's rooms. Like, she would sneak her to their bedrooms and take shit. Does anybody ever get mad at her for that? Like, when they figure it out? Like, don't they I, want... I mean, I'm sure there's something in the comic that I, I haven't read it in a very long time, but I, I was very tempted to read it last night, but I just didn't have enough fucking time. That's pretty funny and cute. Yeah. So anyway, so eventually the Reavers attack them in the in, the, in their like outback place there. And you know, you might be familiar with the Reavers now because they appeared in Logan, but they're like the half machine, half human people that yeah. like are really savage and brutal. And so like they get Wolverine and they like immediately it becomes like torture porn with Wolverine like within seconds. <laughs> because <laughs> and course. also like also all of Wolverine's clothes are ripping off for some reason. Like Wolverine is a very Wolverine just character. can't keep a shirt on. Like it's, he just can't do it's it. It's not even just his shirt. It's like literally all of his clothing. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, I'm not complaining. Wolverine could do that as much as he wants. So they attack him and they like they start like torturing him. But she like jumps in and like frees him and like shoots them away. You know, she pulls Wolverine into the walls of the expansion where she's been hiding out and like kind of nurses him back to health. Then the re- the reavers still find him anyway. So, like, they, like, top through another portal and retreat to Madripoor, where all this other crazy shit happens, where, like, after that, her and Wolverine just, like, travel the world, <laughs> like, just going on these crazy adventures. Like, they fight ninjas at some point, like, they fight literally the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, I know that she blows Become up, like, besties. a part of, like, Mandarin's uh, castle. Like, it's crazy. It's, like, so eventually, all the new mutants are also missing, so then she helps rescue a whole bunch of them. And then after all that, like after like a year of this craziness, Wolverine brings Jubilee to Xavier and she's like, he's like, hey, do you want to like join the X-Men? And she's like, I pretty much already have, you know, and she's also like has no family. Uh, you know, she's living in the walls of <laughs> various different buildings. <laughs> like, so, so she joins the X-Men and then not too long for that. She joins um, Generation X, which is like sort of the 90s version of the New Mutants which went on for like the entire decade. The and that was the one where it was like the mutants with that was a uh, top by Emma Frost. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it's like the start of Generation X there. There's also like a part period of time where Wolverine disappears and Jubilee is like really mad about it. Cause her surrogate dad is gone. Well, yeah, and he was like, "Don't come and find me, cause I'm Wolverine. I just, I'm nobody <laughs> cares about me. My eyeliner's <laughs> running." Uh, I work alone and I'm yeah. Wolverine, but also I desperately want other people to come find me. Yeah, so she was part of Generation X for like the entire, for like all the 90s. And then sort of, sort of towards the early 2000s was sort of like the resurrection of the, uh, what are they called? I want to say it's Church of Humanity. Yeah, that's it. It's the Church of Humanity with William Stryker. And the, they kidnap all of the Generation X people and crucify them. Jeez. Uh, including Pretty Jubilee. Pretty heavy handed. I know, I know. And, you know, Wolverine, like, and all of them find him, and Archangel heals him because Archangel also has like healing blood. Uh, Jubilee's best friend from Generation X, one of the two, uh, their husk is with her and she lives, but her other best friend, Skin, dies, and she like suffers like massive PTSD from that for some reason. Like, like, I'm not saying like that is not a reason not to suffer massive PTSD, but at this point, she's also been through a whole bunch of other heavy shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a pretty random storyline for them to be like, this is going to affect her deeply. Yeah, Nothing I know, pretty much. Did. And so then she was like, she went back to the X-Men for a bit, but then she lived with like a living relative that she found, her Aunt Hope, and she spent some time with them until she found out that she was an assassin and like, I don't know, I think she was like part robot or something. I don't fucking understand that storyline. I own it and I like literally... It's the guy that wrote Walking Dead, so, like, it's, oh, it's all the fuck all over the place. <laughs> and it's, like, it involves, like, women being stupid in it. Like, that's... that's God the, damn it. I know, he, like, just can't write anything else. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so then, uh, you know, the whole House of M thing happens. Um, yes, yes. And people lose powers, and she's one of them, and so... Yep, and then a, that's around when she gets her vampire powers. No, there's, there's a period like... of time where she joins the New Warriors, and she's she takes on this name Wandra for a little while, and she gets tech that she like wears these gauntlets to give her like super strength, but that doesn't last very long. And then she turns into a vampire, which is where she's been for for a a while now. Uh, But she did um, recently in the past few years, adopt an orphan baby. That was like, because she's old enough now to be a mom herself. Well, well, yeah, something like not really. She's still pretty young, but like the baby was like infected with some sort of disease. I don't really remember the, it was called the Archaea, I think, but like, I don't remember what it did. And so Jubilee adopts him. Uh, so, and that's, that's sort of where it's been at. She's a vampire mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, completely different from where she originally but was. But she's which still was, like, really a punk cool and, like, well, so now she's getting her, her own solo team again. Like, so they're starting Generation X, at, X again, except now she's a teacher, but that hasn't actually started yet. Um, and I wanted to, there's, like, a couple, like, fun little facts about her, too, where she, like, she's really great at hand-to-hand combat. Like, she was already like that before she joined the X-Men because, I guess, like, you know, all the juvenile halls and orphanages that she was in, she, like, just fought right. everybody. Plus, like, basically living on the streets. Yeah, so she, like, already knew that. And, and so, like, you know, Wolverine helps her get better at all that. She's like, he was like, you know, I see some potential in you. Uh, and then, like, fun facts that she's supposed to be a great gymnast and inline skater, too, but you don't really see those things. And they kind of say that about, like, all the girl X-Men. as like, oh, they're great gymnasts. <laughs> I know, because, I mean, they're all flipping around. Why wouldn't they be? Mm-hmm. That's um, funny that she's a great inline skater. I guess because she's hanging out in arcades all the time. She's gonna strap on some skates. Why not? <laughs> I mean, she. I mean, she does have rollerblades and skates that she wears around like a lot. It, like she's just basically doing the dazzler thing again. It's just like funny because it's super nineties for yeah, her to it's be like, like rollerblading. Roller skates. It's rollerblades. That's a big difference. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was way cooler. There was also a period <laughs> of time, like in the late nineties, before like everybody was crucified where she like tried becoming an actress <laughs> and what? she yeah and she got into like a whole bunch of movies or whatever but they kept typecasting her as like asian sidekicks and she's oh like gosh and, and she was like i can't fucking do this anymore <laughs> like it's it's weird it's just like a second where marvel comics wanted to make some commentary about not your asian sidekick for like a second yeah and they could and then went ahead to like make sure that happened in literally all their movies going forward <laughs> maybe one writer wanted to make a commentary about it to the rest of, of marvel and then no one noticed it apparently <laughs> well i don't think the mcu or the fox movies are like supposed to hold up what happens to the comics very well because they are very different uh so that's jubilee she's she's a cool character uh her best friend is still husk even though her other best friend and like sometimes on and off again boyfriend's skin died um and then obviously like you know there's x-23 and wolverine who she's close with but generally she gets along with all the x-men really well like sometimes she has cool team-ups with boom boom who i also really love uh but you know for the most part like you know it's they they tend to put her with like wolverine so that's why you like her because she's wolverine's bestie yeah so like 
Therefore, <laughs> and when I self insert myself into a fan fiction with them, like me and Jubilee are hanging out with Wolverine. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And she gets along okay with you because you're Wolverine's boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. So like it makes sense, right? Perfect. Gambit, get out yeah. of the way. <laughs> That brings us nicely to the next topic of our show, which is... Which X-Men is gay? gay. The X-Men are a metaphor for a lot of things, but one of those things is being gay. That sometimes it goes beyond symbolic, and the X-Men can be homoerotic, but which so this is like i wrote down like three notes but like i'm really it's wolverine is very gay in this, i was right? about to say should we just count off and then say wolverine at the same time but you already <laughs> said wolverine <laughs> it's it, it's only downhill from here he gets gayers it goes uh, he's he is the gayest one in this episode though, he really he really for is sure. like and i I, I was I want to say Gambit because he was like being flirtatious well, with Gambit. Gambit but is very he's he's pansexual in this episode. He hits on ladies. He hits on dudes. It's he like he just care. hits on everyone. Like and I think that's Gambit pretty cool. doesn't give a shit about how you identify. He will hit that. I also I also felt like Beast was a little gay, but like in a, in a pretentious <laughs> kind of way. I think that might be you projecting. <laughs> Beast doesn't like flirt with anyone in this episode. I know. So. I know. But I, I, I do think it's Wolverine. Like I think 100%. it's Wolverine. If we're going on an episode by episode basis, which we are in this episode, Wolverine is the gayest one. <laughs> it was actually Professor Xavier. He did a whole bunch of gay stuff <laughs> I mean, in his it was wheelchair. <laughs> his hover wheelchair. I, I will give like an honorable mention to Storm and Rogue, though, because apparently they go shopping for books together in sexy outfits. <laughs> so I did have... I did have some questions about that. <laughs> that did stick out to me. I was like, what's going on with those two? But Wolverine was gayer Jesus. than that. Oh, my God. All the X-Men are so gay. <laughs> all of really them. They're really gay. They're all but gay. But it's great. But I it's think great. Wolverine is the most in this, obviously, because of, like, his weird sexual Playing thing. Playing sexy right tag. With Sexy Gambit. tag with Gambit. <laughs> Nothing can beat that. All right. Um, X rating. I really enjoyed this episode. I would give it, like, a five star. I, I really would. I think it's a strong pilot for I, this TV show. I agree. I, I'm i not going to be shy about giving five five X's to, to the episodes that I think are great. And I thought this was a really good pilot. That might just be because we just watched Pride of the X-Men, which is a pilot that made no fucking sense. Oh, I mean, I know. But this pilot, I felt like it introduced everybody well. The Sentinels made no sense, but it didn't really bother me that much. Um, and it, it definitely left me wanting more. And it also made me feel like I could easily recommend this show to people. If no one has ever seen this show before, I hope you're watching it along with us it definitely, and enjoying it. It definitely does this thing where I say this about the He-Man cartoons, too, where like the He-Man and She-Ra cartoons are like so goofy, but I'm like, if you like sit there and just like remove everything but the dialogue and read it as a script, it's like like I feel like He Man and She for example, are have really good scripts a lot of the time, but it gets like masked with like goofy voices and goofy scenes and goofy animation. And like goofy, yeah, goofy animation. Right. And, and like stuff. in this, I feel like the vo the voice acting is much better than that. But I do feel like a lot of like the actual written dialogue on a piece of paper for this episode is pretty. It's really good. Like. You know, like I the agree. whole scene when they're like walking through the woods talking about like who they are, their yeah, past. And it's in a very casual passing way. Uh, 
I th- I thought that was really really good writing. <laughs> I was like really impressed with that. I agree, and I feel like the X Men just like have great dynamics with one another in the episode. Like they don't all get along with each other, but you can tell they they care about each other. Yeah. And, and there's like it's a very lot of hard to set all of that up in like twenty minutes. And I thought it was done effectively here. I agree, and I think it's important. And I keep mentioning this that like they're mutants with powers, but they're also like so awkward and weird already without their powers. <laughs> and like that's yep. that's highlighted in this episode, like. You know, like they, they they would make comments to each other about like how weird they're being and then like would do like their powers and then Jubilee would be like, now what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like Jubilee is like probably the least socially awkward in this somehow. So I mean, yes and no. There is the part where she's like playing in an arcade machine completely by herself and like talking to herself and like getting angry when things don't go her <laughs> right, way. That's true, too. I mean, she's still like a kid in this and it's very cute. I, I think it's like a cool portrayal of like a kid who doesn't know what's going on and figures it out without being annoying, which is like a very hard line to walk with this kind of thing. It really is. And I, I guess I guess I'm, I'm happy that it is stronger on the pilot than I thought it was, because I mean, I, I, I tend to put the show on like at the end of the day when I just want something to like numb out of my oh, brain because sure. I've seen everything like hundreds of times like back when you could record it on a vhs uh so this is like the first time i like really sat down and repaid attention to it like it did like you know decades ago uh yeah i mean like for me it might be the first time ever that i've like really paid this much attention to what is actually happening on the show i mean that's true but we we did watch some episodes (laughs) at that x-men party that were really bad so we know that they're out there oh yeah totally but (laughs) I think we're like giving the show a lot more analysis than we ever have before for the sake Absolutely. of this podcast. We've never thought about it this I, I mean, hard, I think, but now we are. I think it's going to not be that way for all these episodes. I think there's going to be some episodes where we're like, what I the mean, hell? you say that, but we just talked about this 20 minute episode for like an hour and a it half. It was really good for like a wacky 90s like <laughs> pilot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just... I know what you mean, but I also know that it's probably going to keep taking this long for us to do this show. We'll We'll see, though. We'll We'll see what happens. Everyone should hire us to uh, do this professionally. Talk about the X-Men. Yeah, why won't anybody hire us to do an X-Men podcast We'll travel and we'll talk about X-Men and we'll tell you which ones are gay and which ones are, like, fucking each other. Like, we're really good at doing that. That's, like, the same thing. Which ones are gay and which ones are fucking each other? I guess, I guess, no, I take it back. That's two different things. Yeah, I mean, like, they don't need to be fucking if they're gay or not. No, you're right. You're right. You're completely right. They could be gay and not having sex with anybody. That's true. Like, beast. And on that note. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So follow me on Twitter at Ryan Pagella. And I'm at Minnie Myers. And we also have a Twitter account for this show, which is The Mutant Ages. And we have an email address. So you can write into us at themutantages at gmail.com and you can make some comments about this episode or like the episode that we watched or any comments about who you think is the gayest in that episode or like tell us what you think and why they why they would be gay or your your views on the <laughs> politics. We're just interested in hearing like which accent. I know you think I was like gay. there's plenty of things you could email us about, but I really just want to know who you think is gay and having sex in the pilot of the X-Men animated series in the nineties. <laughs> Thanks. Please write in. Wolverine should get naked more. Wolverine. Also, um hey. please feel free to rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever your preference is because yep. we really appreciate it. Yeah, we actually have two reviews so far. One of them is really mean and one of them is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's about like how the internet rolls though. 
It is. Uh, so, so thanks, thanks so, for you know, the Hugh people Jackman, who wrote reviews. Hugh Jackman. Wait, what? Did you, are you just like whispering about Hugh Jackman yeah, to yourself over there? I'm talking to him. Hey, I'm talking to him. Hugh, now that you're listening to our show, hit me up. You can email me. Photos of yourself shirtless because I can't find that on the internet apparently. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go. Uh, oh wait, no, one last thing. Um, Atomic Blue Productions is where we produce all of this. So you can go to our website or you can go check out our YouTube channel. Okay. Thanks. Bye. For, thanks, Hugh. <laughs> X-Men. Thanks, Hugh. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, Hugh. Thanks for listening to this episode. Oh, God. I hope he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> okay. That's it. Yeah, he'd be like, fuck these guys. They're weirdos. Like, <laughs> he's just going to look at him and be like, oh, these people think I'm gay still. Like, come on, let it go. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm gay. <laughs> the at atomicblueproductions.com or support us at patreon.com slash atomicblueproductions.